Today, we get to sit down with Deep Dungeon Games and talk about his world-building process, what inspires him, and how he got into D&D. So stay tuned. Before we dive in, though, make sure to check out our sponsor, Roaming Player Gear, for all your tabletop gaming needs. Roaming Player Gear has everything from dice trays to dice towers to even mini holders for when you're listening to this podcast while painting your minis. I love their products and I love the versatility of their products. You can use them literally for D&D all the way to Warhammer 40k. And honestly, they have a really great price point compared to their competitors. So be sure to use Roaming20, that's Roaming20, for 20% off your final purchase. Be sure to click the link in the episode description. Three, two, one. All right, we're live. Dude, thank you so much for uh for joining us. How you been, man? Good, good. Thank you for having me. Uh just, you know, surviving like everybody else is in this uh, new world that we live in. I hear you, man. Um for yeah, the it's some crazy tra- times. It's interesting to say the least. Um I will say that and and I won't I don't want to give too much light because, you know, I, I want to make sure that we focus on the goodness of what this episode. I'm really excited about this episode, man. I've been we've been talking a little bit before the episode and oh my gosh, like we're on the same page with a lot. But before I get too overboard, because, you know, I'm going to probably rant about this. Um Can you first kind of quickly, Hobie, introduce uh, yourself and Deep Dungeon Games and tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I am the CEO, president, whatever that, whatever you want to call that. Um, You know, I'm the person who started Deep Dungeon Games. Since then, we've 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 uh, progressed to an LLC, and we have like board members and all that stuff. And most of those guys are um, uh, more background members. My brother's one of the one of the few uh, members, and I have two of one of my good friends that have helped me uh, you know, establish everything and, and grow. But basically we are a content creating fantasy role-playing game cre- creator. And we're creating content for, we, we, we want to try to be as neutral as we can, but also building upon a system that allows you to build upon it. So mm. namely fifth edition, right. Um, with their, the SRD and stuff, it allows you to build and utilize a rule set without having to just create a, a entire new rule set and get bogged down in, in the complexity that I can be. Yeah. And so, but a real passion is world building and creating content to, to either inspire you to make your life easier as a DM, GM, or just because you love fantasy and you love reading um, fantasy stuff. Mm-hmm. And that, that's, that's the gist. I mean, really. I mean, and this is why I got really excited because when we were connected um, by our mutual friend, Ray, aka GotDM, um, having, you know, he, it's funny because he told me like, hey man, you're going to really enjoy this guy. Like y'all are on the same page. And I was like, okay, cool. You know, typical thing, right. When, when you're connecting with folks, but really man, like, and if you've, if y'all have been following me for a while, y'all know that I started the Bearded Nerd on the premise of I want to help the community by giving them like world building and lore building tips and tricks, basically taking from my experience and saying, okay, you can you can take these ideas and plug them into your world. No problem. You can plug and play essentially was um, the aspect of the Bearded Nerd. And at the center of it, it was, okay, you know, we all have our own worlds that we want to build. Like the bearded nerd is here to help you build that world to really just ignite that, you know, 
per, you know, ignite that aspect of every gamer. So when we connected, I was like, oh man, like I, <laughs> I have a fellow person who is kind of on the same track and doing the same thing, um, or rather has the same mission because it's, it's really hard to find other folks like that, man. I, I don't know about you, but I know, you know, there's a lot of folks out there who do like the magic items, right? There's a lot of talented artists and a lot of talented folks who create magic items or they create um, terrain, you know, craft terrain, or they paint minis, but there aren't a lot of people that I know of that are building out world and lore and whatnot. So my first question is what got you into that? Like what, was there a specific moment in your life or was it just something that you've always liked to do? Well, I've always gotten lost in worlds that were immersed. Um, I mean, I mean, come on. I mean, you know, Lord of the Rings, uh, Tolkien, um, even, you know, uh, uh, Harry Potter. I mean, I just, I mean, as a kid, I was an avid reader. Um, so I was, you know, I was kind of the, 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 the kid who was the reader and nerd and, and type, and I played sports and like that too, but like, cause I grew up in a very small town, but so you kind of did a little bit of everything, but I loved playing games. And I loved reading. So I got lost in worlds, but I, I didn't, I didn't do that for so long. Tolkien I, I went, I, just oh, you can't help it. Like, uh, I don't know if you've seen the, the flick Tolkien. Uh, it's a fantastic. I'm actually a veteran. Uh, I spent 12 years in, got disabled and uh, all that kind of stuff. Oh, but thank you for your service. Uh, no worries, dude. Uh, but, you know, Tolkien is like I said, that Tol- I never realized Tolkien had, you know, built his fantasy world based upon his you know military service. Mm-hmm. And you know, I just never clicked until I watched the movie and, and read some background stuff on him. And I was like, wow, you know. And when I realized that, I was just like, I, I even love the guy even more um, because yeah. it's just, you know, you find up someone in, in that you'll never meet, you'll never, ever, you know, really get to understand, but just to see their writing and go, wow, okay, yeah, yeah. And you see the interconnections, but, you know, I always love fantasy, but the world building stuff, I never thought that this is what I would do. Not, not one time in my life that I ever think this is what mm-hmm. I would do. Um, you know, I was, I was a grunt infantry guy. Um, definitely that, you know, go getter type person. Um, and, you know, I spent my time, you know, working, you know, with my hands a lot so much mm-hmm. and I loved it. Don't never mind it. You know what I mean? But, um, one day, uh, my buddy was like, Hey, do you want to play D and D? And I, and, uh, I played back in my youth and, and I, but that was so long ago. I, I couldn't really remember it. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. when my buddy was like my next door neighbor across the street. He's like, you want to play D and D? Because he knew I was a nerd. He knew I played games like you know League of Legends, uh, nice. World of Warcraft, you know all those type of games um, that I love to play. You know, Morrowind, uh, Oblivion, Elder, any Elder Scrolls game, absolutely in love with. Um, he, so he knew that I would love this, but I was so reluctant because that was the like the 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 last step off the cliff into ultimate nerdum. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, dude, I totally get it, man, and I. I feel you on a lot of that, man, like, you know, going back to Tolkien really quick, where, well, when I was a kid, I read so much about Tolkien. I read so much of Tolkien's work to the point where I remember um, in 2007 or eight, my dad and I were traveling somewhere. It's like an eight hour trip. And I, you know, the children of Hearn had come out by, you know, Christopher Tolkien's basically for the folks out there took a lot of, of his dad's work, you know, Tolkien, uh, um, the guru, the, the the godfather himself took a lot of that work and he essentially composed the children of Horan, like just, you know, part of it's, I believe you can see it in a sliver of the Sil- of the Silmarillion, Silmarillion, excuse me. And from there, I, I think I read that book in like 
seven hours of that eight hour trip because I was just so enthralled in the world. Um, and I get it where you're coming from. It's like, you played a little bit of sports. You did a little bit of this, you did a little bit of that same thing, man. But like that world building was always like a passion. I don't know about you, but for me, it was always a passion. Like it was my artistic way of expressing myself. You know what I mean? Did you ever play uh, Diablo or Diablo yes, two? Absolutely. Um, I talk about Diablo a lot because I play Diablo three currently. It, it's yeah. So <laughs> my dad who did not game, right. He worked in the oil field in Texas uh, okay. all his life. And he didn't, he didn't play games, but his, his, he brought home, he had a, he had a worker, his, one of his assistants that worked with him in the oil field. He, he got my dad into playing uh, games because I mean naturally who you work with and stuff like that they they're gonna tell you about their interests and, and things of that nature right yeah for sure and my dad you know had had old school PC you know dial up internet you know the, the crazy sound and all that mm -hmm. but my dad was like hey you know I got this game uh I don't really know what I'm doing and he was like I started you know playing it and helping him and stuff and that was the first time I ever like got to like love fantasy um, I remember my dad buying the, the the old school box set, which came with, you know, this, the D2 and it had the, the massive book, yep. uh, which it, most of the book was to just, you know, install installation options and operating the system and all the software, all that kind of stuff. But there was a good chunk of that book. And this thing was probably, I don't know, maybe 50 to a hundred pages, give or take that was just, and, and a good chunk of that was dedicated to the lore of the, of the, the characters that you could play. Yeah. And it had beautiful art pieces you know what I mean? And like, I would, I literally tore those pieces out of this book mm -hmm. and like post it and, 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 you know, pin them to my wall, which most, most kids these days don't understand, like, um, you know, taking, get, going to getting posters from concerts and, and, but I literally would tore those out of the books. And I read that, i read that cover, um, the, at least the, the lore part, like so much that it was like started to tatter because I just loved the lore of it. And that was before, like, I really got into fantasy, um, as far as like reading novels in school and stuff, that was like my first just dive off into a world that I could immerse myself in and like really understand the lore beyond what the game gives you. It's like, Oh, here's just the, here's your, here's your bicycle and, and the training wheels. And I was like, but I wanted the training wheels to always be off. I wanted to just, I wanted to know everything. And just, I mean, like, I didn't want to just know just the characters, but I want to know about the terrain everywhere I was playing um, from, you know, just act one to act two to act three. I wanted to know every, every little area that I was in and the lore behind it. And unfortunately, until later on with the internet got more established that you got to learn so much about that. And that was like my, my, like, just, you know, my, my birth into like my mind and like my world building love. I hear that dude. And I, and again, man, I, it's, it's so crazy because we literally just talked and met really a little bit after, <laughs> before this episode. And there's so much that we share in common in, in that regard. And it, it, it and I'm just, I, I'm kind of stunned, man. So uh, forgive me if I keep asking and rambling on about all these questions, because it's, it's just part of what I love. But like, for me, I think that one of the things that, and I don't know if, if you get this at times, but when you sit down and you either write on a notebook or, you know, type on a computer and you start to kind of think like, oh, I want to create these people or this culture or whatever. You, these, this flood of thoughts because everything that you've experienced in life starts to influence. Do you ever get that same sen sensation or do you kind of like, what's your process to world building? 
because I feel like everyone's process is a little bit different. But everyone that I've talked to lately, they've been getting they basically say like when they sit down, like there's a rush of thoughts that they almost have to filter. So like, what's your perspective on world building? And, and what's your methodology? So I never thought that I would build a world or mm-hmm. that I would do with what I do, right? Okay. Um, I, I started playing, I start I started called Deception. And essentially, it's it's games within your games, right? And this is one of my, my first books that I ever wrote. Mm-hmm. And essentially what, what I thought, and, you know, I mean, we've all played some critical roles like that. And yeah. there's some of those games that, that they play in there. And I love that concept. But I, when I looked online to find some, I couldn't find a whole lot other than like simply basically rolling a D20 and deciding, you know, this. Yeah. And that's where it all birthed from. Okay. Um, I was playing D&D at the time and me and my buddy, uh, we basically said we were playing uh, Horde of the Dragon Queen, which okay. uh, which goes into the Rise of the Tiamat, right? Um, which I was going to DM the first part and he was going to DM the second part. Oh, nice. Um, and that was just the way we, we did it. And so I DM the entire first part and I loved it, right? But I did wasn't world building at that point. I just saw where what, the things that I loved and I started building Deception at that point point because i was like there's this lack of these these things that i want you know i mean that that came up in my games of just random moments and they were like oh there's a cd dwarf in a corner and he's got a deck of cards and i was and i was coming up on the fly and just you know just and basically it was essentially just rolling a d20 and 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 that was it you know i mean that's all i could come up with like that quick but when i was playing my my i was playing my buddy was dming the second part or rise of tiamat i was actually a character and his name was fog Mm-hmm. And he was a wizard, a necromancer. Oh, sweet. And towards the end of the campaign, we were finishing up and we were getting to the actual final bat with battle with Tiamat and things like that. I was like, well, Vogue's not done. Like he's not like he's, he's a necromancer. He's a wizard. Like he's going to be doing his next step to make sure that he's going to keep learning and establishing his wisdom and building what he wants to build. Mm-hmm. That's not the end for him. Yep. And this got into a concept of um, what, what a flattery was, right? And no one really goes into what actually a flattery is and the concept of like, yes, you can look it up, you can find out what it is and, you know, it stores a soul and allows, you know, liches to, you know, you know, basically live forever, but no one goes into like what it establishes and how to build one. And so yeah. I took a, a, a leaf out of Harry Potter yep. uh, and very horcrux um, type of, of mentality. Um, and so that was what happened. And essentially, uh, you see men in black, right? For sure. Uh, with the cat and the galaxy on his neck. <laughs> yep. And so essentially that's what ended up happening was like a combination of like Harry Potter and like men in black, um, where his soul became an actual world. Um, he had to break his soul mm. up to create, um, basically allow himself to live forever. And that created the seven main, um, categories of deities or what I call chains, and so it's like life, death, uh, mystery, uh, civilization, um, uh, sorry, I'm going blank, uh, sin, virtue, and then primordial, which the primordial was always there. It's just the natural elements of the world. Um, yeah. And that's where, where it came from. And so ever since then, I've never really felt that I had a, uh, when I world build, I wish I could do, go back and redo it because I would start from the bare bones and I would start from my elements. I kind of did it weird where I started with plants okay. and animals. Okay. And then went back and did my elements, minerals, rocks, and things like that, right? Yeah. And the mineral mineralogy manual, which is one of my, my most recent books, is this massive, almost 600-page book about uh, elements, rocks, minerals, uh, ores, just everything that's going to exist in my world. And unfortunately, we had to like trim it back some because of just the sheer size of this book. But what I love how you have happen, to say that you had to trim back 600 pages of oh, material. It's insane. 
dude, we had we had so much material, but it was like we had to we had to trim it back because if we didn't, it would have been like 800 pages, and the cost of print 800 page book is just insane. It's just it's just insane, and I didn't realize that you know once you get off that rail and you just start world building like crazy, how much you can actually get done when you're inspired or you're creative. So what I would say is that if you're creating a world, number one, start with, and I guess I started with my Pantheon technically, but they were loosely drawn up. Uh, they were yeah. not drawn up to the, to where I wanted them to be, but they were there. They were established. And mm-hmm. I would definitely start with the, the, the Pantheon and then build, build your cosmos and then go into the actual creation of your world and how, how it came together, your myth, your lore, and the elements and the rocks and everything like, I mean, just like the, the normal world and the, the science behind our world and how it was created. It's no different. It's just fantasy. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think, and again, I don't know, I would love to know your perspective on this is when it comes to world building a lot of times and the way I took kind of the approach was I started out with my Pantheon and because of the type of game that I play, it started out with saying, okay, these are the gods that aren't present. And I kind of gave the reason behind it. There was a big war, basically the god Veratrix essentially who was um like he was the messenger god and the firstborn of the primordials as i call them they and again perspective is a big thing in my world um just like i i've talked about it about evermore but evermore you know aka you know ray's world his is like 30 years strong right I, i give or take 30 years and it's a little bit different. It's a little bit more intense. My world is, you know, not so intense, but perspective is still a thing. So if you talk to a gnome, and this is going to be really important for the folks out there who want a world build, perspective is key because the gnomes in my world have a different perspective than the humans in the sense of creation. But they loosely agree that there were primordial gods or, you know, the elder gods, essentially, that created things and got bored essentially and created um, Veratrix. And then Veratrix was basically like, honestly, Veratrix was not really treated right. And lo and behold, he started a war, which then caused all the other gods after him that were created to join in this war. And the gods that are not present today are the ones that were killed off and then later on forgotten. So, you know, I started with my Pantheon. I started with the, and then I kind of started with the Cosmos, but then I went back to the Pantheon. I kind of jumped around, but I kind of just went where I wanted to because there was times where I would be really inspired to talk about the myth and lore of one particular country versus finish out the Cosmos, you know? So that's how I kind of started doing things. And, you know, it works for me, but I think something to play around with, and I don't know what your, um, opinion is on this, but I like playing around with perspective. I like kind of, you know, taking the same story and then applying it to the elves of your world and saying, okay, well, how do the elves look at this and think about this? And then kind of write that out. Cause you can, that can be the, the myth and lore according to them. It can be the pantheon according to them. There's so many options, but how, what do you think about that um, from a world building perspective? So one, one thing that I like you said, use the, 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 the verbiage, uh, write it out. And that, I, I don't think I'm mean, using the same context you're using it in, but what I have found is that world building is constantly dynamic. For sure. Things change. You, you write one thing and you can't force yourself to say, this is the way it has to be. This has to be this way. Um, because if you do that, you can't ever 
keep creating. I think, I think if you had this original, I mean, I'm not saying you can't outline stuff or recreate or whatever, or have a guideline, mm-hmm. but it's like you said, you have this, this, this thought, this theory, this, this concept you're building on, but it's, it's like a tree. You know what I mean? You have your trunk and that's essentially your, your just stuff that you will not change. You know Absolutely. What I mean? but, but everything's going to branch off from there and intertangle interweave and all of that concept. Right. But the, the, the essence is, is as I've developed my Pantheon, they've changed. They have changed in from what I, what I thought originally they would be. And, and I've created like uh, myths and legends behind them. And like, originally uh, I had the, the, originally I had the seven chains, right. Mm-hmm. But after thinking about it, I was like, well, why wouldn't the primordial God uh, Primethus be there already? There's, there's nothing to say that, you know, the elements aren't always there regardless of of the size the realm the multiverse whatever right for sure and i i've i've basically gone back and gone said hey you know that that the elements were always there and that actually made so much more sense because i had something called the primordial wars which in essence i have uh three main eras in my world which was the era of like, well, I say a three, but I have an era of creation, which is like before recorded time in essence, like kind of like DC, right? Correct, yeah. And then my, my AD is, is it's divided into the three different uh, uh, areas. And the first the first era is basically the when the gods left the plane of the, the mortal plane and extended into their divine planes and said, hey, good luck, you know, see you later, bye. Yeah. And that was basically where the, the, the longest living races like the elves were you know, in, in power, you know, the dwarves had their, their massive empires and uh, underground and the elves were, you know, the, the strong powers in the, the place. But then there was something called, I have what I call the blood wars, which essence divided up much of the elven power and, and split them into uh, diverse groups. So like I have the high elves, death elves, blood elves, wood elves, and I have, I have some other uh, potential writings going, but I haven't really fully established that yet. I have four main sex groups of um of elves and after that they they extended into another era which was an era where the 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 other multi races so like gnomes halflings humans uh uh not dragon kin yet at that point but um they were able to prosper and rise they were they were coming out of the muck in essence um and out of the the barbarism and nomadism Mm -hmm. um and they were allowed to, to prosper and become establish their kingdoms so to speak right yeah because of the natural drawback of the elves and their 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 uh their power being divided it created a rift or a hole where it basically allowed things to 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 rise up and essentially during this point when when the gods left the mortal plane the primordial gods the gods that were the old gods essentially that that were always there regardless of anything else they were kind of uh, upset or ticked off that saying like why did we leave we were in ultimate power we were the creative, you know what I mean? How dare you say that we can't do this? Mm-hmm. And at that point, the next era started after the what I call the primordial wars is when the gods of chaos and primordia came back to the moral realm to cause havoc and wreak destruction upon the moral realms. And they did that in a very much sense, which gave rise to so much. Um, but I just, oh man, it's just so crazy. I think you have to, if, if, if you're world building, you have to establish your lore also with your world building you can't i mean you can i guess uh, i think there's two aspects there's a micro and a macro right so you can start from a point of like just a tavern yep and then build from there yep or you can start from the universe and build down 
it, it's it's either way you have to still set a foundation Agreed, because 100%. you can't really start from anywhere if you don't have a foundation. And as I heard someone say, in a, you know, I heard actually one of my uh, uh, friends of mine who was a coach used to say that how do you build a tall pyramid? You have a wide base, you have a big base. And I didn't get it. Well, I got it in the sports sensation, you know, obviously like you want to have your foundation set and you want to have, you know, as many of the foundations as possible. But from a world building perspective, it makes sense, right? You want to have as much of the foundation set so that as you're playing in your world and building it, because that's part of world building, I would say there's active world building, which is, you know, and I don't want to, well, I'll finish my thought. Sorry. <laughs> There's active world building, right? There's active world building where you and your players are actively building your world in gameplay or like in game. And then there's um, quasi active world building where it's just you building the world. It's still active, but it's not, um, it, it's not going through the reactive phase that it would, if you're play testing or if you're building, you know, if you're playing with your friends, because again, D and D is a collaborative storytelling game. Like at the end of the day, we world build to distribute, you know, to showcase um, not only to our players, but we also lay it as the foundation for the stories that we're going to tell. Because I if want to piggyback off something you said here in a second. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, basically, like I, I just think that's really important. And again, both aspects, right? The sitting down and writing. And then the sitting down and playing are both two important aspects of world building. 100%. And I, so like I've, I've built so much of my lore and stuff like on, on its own. Right. Obviously. Um, but I, it's much more what I want to consider forced writing. It's stuff that I am writing because it needs to be written versus if I am writing or playing a game, uh, mm. even digital or even at home, when, but, when I started, it was all home games. Now it's all digital uh, or on, on Roll20 um, with, with the, everything that's going on. But there was a while that we didn't, we weren't playing at all um, there for about six, seven months because we were just trying to figure it all out. And, you know, I was trying to, you know, uh, work on the Roll20 stuff. And that I was just, oh man, I just felt so just that I was just chopping wood to chop wood. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, because I had nothing else going on and it was just like, uh, it was so forced. And like, it was, it was writing that needed to be done because the background and stuff like that. But at the same time, I felt most inspired about my actual physical world that I want to say in the current timeline when I'm playing and I can build off the stuff that my players need more so than I'm able to build on my own. And my players are so, and they don't realize this, how, how essential they are to my world building. Um, I've, I've, I'm sure I've told them a thousand times, I'm like, yeah, I couldn't do this without you guys, because it's not that, the, that they're writing it. It's just that they're in it. And so when they're yeah, interacting sure. with characters and they're interacting with the world or the tavern or this, this Smith, this apothecary, this baker, whatever it may be, that tells me what I need to flush out. And I, I have built some of the, the best writings off of my players than some of my best ideas and backgrounds off my own, my own brain. And I think the be I think the reason behind that is the beauty of D and D specifically, right. You know, Pathfinder for sure. But um, in any tabletop game, really any role-playing game is the collaborative storytelling aspect, especially from a D and D perspective, we feed. And I, and I would agree with you. 
my best writing has been because of what my players have explored, reacted to, whatever it may be. The thing, their adventures and things that they've posed out in the world. I mean, right now, if anyone is playing in my online game, which I've invited many people to play in, and you know, I extend out that invitation to a lot of folks that I, I really think would enjoy the game. Right now, my original, well, my second original set of players, so to speak, because there was a time where there was like the OG crew, like the first ones that ever played in this world. And they did a lot of cool stuff. But then this other group, they were the ones that were making moves, causing the OG players to be like, oh, wait a minute, this new group's doing this. Oh, I got to react or respond to this. And they've been doing stuff that now (laughs) the players that are in the game now are having to react and respond to as well. So that's where I um, have gotten some of my best content from a writing perspective. Like, I, yeah, and I love it. And, and I can't say it works for everybody because, I mean, I, I work with dozens of artists, right? Mm-hmm. And I've, I've learned to, to give each artist what they need versus saying, you know, I can give one artist, I can send them a picture of a reference image and they'll come up with something completely new without anything else. And just, and I'll just type a few words and that's mm-hmm. all I do. And I have some artists that basically, I don't want to say need, um, need to be held by the hand but they just don't want to give me something that i don't want i don't i won't like yeah and i'm one of those people i'm like run with it like i don't want to micromanage you i don't i don't have time for i don't have time for that number one and also like just go with it but some people aren't built that way you know and that's totally fine yeah and and my approach to world building is my approach you know i can i can sit there and say like oh this is what i did and if i did it again i know how i would change it but it's, I mean, it's your world. It built it. Like I, I, I love modules. Modules have their place. I, I love modules. I found so much good content in modules and inspiration from modules. Cause I have every single book that I can get my hands on for world building and D and D and, and, uh, any type of mainstream that has a, a ton of content that I can in, be inspired from, learn from, grow from. But at the same time, it's like bowling with bumpers. Yeah. You know what I mean, like if you're playing a module, you're bowling with bumpers. You're not really bowling. I actually because... have to, I have to admit something. I have, I have read the modules because I like own, I'll own, I own a digital copy. I've never played. I've never run it as a DM rather. <laughs> I've only done it once. And that was my very first time as a DM. And that was the Horde of the Dragon Queen. Yeah. And ever since then, it was like, this isn't enough. I need more. It's, I just, for me, I feel limited because I want to like, so for example, I've played in Curse of Strahd because my buddy uh, at the time uh, DM'd it. But after that, I was like, I want more. Like, I want to explore this whole area. I want to do so much more than, and this is not, you know, this is limiting my ability to explore and to do all these things. So after that, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm just getting, you know, this is kind of why this it's solidified why I just kind of strictly do homebrew. Now I shouldn't say just homebrew. I should say that I strictly run a homebrew game. And basically when a player comes into the game and says, Oh, what can material can I use? I say, yeah, you can use whatever material because at the end of the day, it's your story. And that's actually another question I want to ask you. From a world building perspective, 
how do you handle things that let's say your player is really gung-ho about um, creating something that's very unique in the world, hasn't even been done yet. How do you like to respond to that? And as um, a DM, how would you encourage others to handle uh, those situations when a player uh, brings an idea that's new to you that you haven't fleshed out yet? So it might be slightly controversial. I don't know. Um, but I don't have ASMR or um, uh, what's the other word? Uh, gosh, Tief- tieflings in, okay. in my world per se. I have them, but my, my main thing is uh, I love, I love ha- half elves. I've played, that's one of my favorite races to play as a half elf and everything like that. But I always felt that why, if you have a half elf or a half orc, why do you not have half dwarf? Why do you not have half elf half? And, and my thing is like, it's so much that you could have in inner diversified and things that I have, I felt like I needed more background, but beside just two people coming together and creating a baby. And I was like, that's not enough for me. Like I need more than that. So I created something called the Elderkin and essentially it's a, a race. And this is because one of my, my, one of my players wanted to play an ASMR and I'm like, well, I don't have that per se. I have, I have a theory. I have a thought to why, why that it'll exist and why it won't exist. Or it, per per uh, you know Wizards of the Coast, uh, their standard of what an ASMR is. Yeah. And number one, I feel like I got a lot of players that throughout the years that were like my dad's God or my dad's Satan. And I was just so over the that basic concept of, oh, this is just my background and gave me yeah. like three sentences. And I can run with that. But after I get that twice, I'm done. Like, yeah, it's it's so repetitive for me as a creator or me as a writer or me it's as a, a bit disheartening, too. Yeah, because I'm like, I mean, gosh, I, I, I literally spend so much time writing stuff for my players. They have no idea how much time that I spend actually creating content for them to, to live in and, and possibly or not even touch. Like there's there's thousands of words written that they, they don't even look at or they don't even find out about because they just didn't happen to come across it. Yep. But the one player wanted to play an ASMR, and I had this concept that I've been playing with a long time. And essentially, it's because um, in the original creation of my world is there's a the, the original essence, kind of a light and dark essence, and they're they're always there. But it's almost like a, a never-ending war between the two. But when you know uh, my my character Vogue split his soul and gave this world an actual manifestation and divine beings that pushed for uh, you know. Cre- creation of life and creation of a, of, a, of a multiverse that they established this but the original they're almost like children of the original uh uh energies of, of the universe the okay. good and the dark yeah and the elder kin are essentially the the souls in my world go through what i call the endless river aka the river sticks mm. um and get basically repurified rewashed uh and basically all the memories of like um, the old, old life are washed away. Occasionally some things don't get washed away. Right. And so I think like deja vu or like yeah. you, 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 sometimes you feel like you've been in an area before or things like that. It's because that soul has been washed, but not maybe not necessarily completely cleaned. Right. And so your, your soul was, a, was at one time a soul of this ancient hero or this old person that grew up here farming. You know what I mean? and whatever but essentially the good the celestials and the fiends in my world take will, will kidnap these souls and 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 bring put the energy in them 
um, of, of a celestial or fiend nature to uh, allow to be forces because they're not technically allowed to directly interact with the, mor- the mortal plane. And if they do, essentially like a, a divine God or, or deity will, will come down and say, hey, no, you don't do that. You know, and it kind of slap them on the wrist and tell them to move on their way. But the, the lessers want to like, you know, play with the, the moral world a little bit For more. Sure. And they basically kind of kidnap the soul and like put their own energy in it. Yep. That's what basically creates the Asimar and the 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 tieflings in my world. Um, it's not it's not any different. It's just I wanted them to give a more of a background just to say my daddy is Satan and my daddy is God. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, that's what I wanted. And I told I told the 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 person that I said, listen, you can pick any deity you want that this could happen from. Um, that they 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 interacted with your soul originally, but you give me a reason why this happened and what your, what your purpose is mm. on, on while you're living and stuff. And, and that's actually that. And that, that's a wonderful idea. And I really, I really think that's cool because kind of to contradict your, and, and again, just like you said, everything's a little bit different, but if it works for you, it works, right? Like in my world, tieflings were the creation of Veritrix basically said, Hey, we need to create these, beings like he essentially sat down with the fiends devils and demons and whatnot and said okay grab your finest engineers and crap and and essentially make me an army like i need you to build me an army and that's what the tiefling was the tiefling was the result of that it was all these minds coming together and then they bred them and you know made them essentially and on the flip side the asimar kind of the gods came together and said, okay, we need an answer to this. So start crafting, which the reason I said that, because now tieflings and Asimar, like they hate, basically they know that, oh, I was created for this purpose. So they're very warlike. They're very much a, uh, they're, they're very strategic. They're very tactical. They're, you know, they, again, they're, they're made for war. And it wasn't until the war got to such an extent that the humans and elves and dwarves and whatnot said, oh, this war spilling into the material plane, what's going on? But that's like, oh, see, you know what I mean? I, like, I, I love it because we're, we're two different people, right? Yep. We're, we, we, we've never met each other in, in the physical world. We, we just now started building our relationship and everything like that. But we came up with two very absolutely different ideas for the reason of why why right um versus uh versus saying like the the the, it's fell blood or it's it's divine blood or or whatever right and i I absolutely love that so dang much that like it's like i want more this isn't enough than selective breeding i want more background and history and heritage behind this concept and we both did that in different ways and, and like, I would want to now kind of like sit back and be like, okay, tell me more about the, you know, this theory of the souls, like washing through the, the river sticks, because when you mention the river sticks in my world, and it's something I picked up from books and picked up from ideas, but I said, again, magic is very powerful in my world. So what happens when you make an oath on the river sticks, right? Like it, you, so, like you would in Greek mythology in my world. Right. If you break that oath, there's some consequences. Like, but that's so how a lot I of like my, to play it. Have uh, one of my my deities is one of the goddess, one of the lesser deities of death. Mm. Um, 
her name is Lytrix, right? Okay. And she is the goddess of souls. Oh, and cool. it, and, and, and essentially she is part of the, the realm. Um, she's one of the few in the inner realms and she has what is called the, 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 the endless river. And it's really just a, a kind of a playoff of uh, the, the river sticks. And when I, when I was creating the concept of souls and like what it goes into being mortal and it goes into the, the so much lore and so much background that I was like, well, you know, I, I, I've always loved Greek mythology, period. Um, the Iliad um, is a, it's a fantastic book. Um, there, I mean, there's just so much history and heritage there. It's hard to not build off of that. But essentially, the souls of my world, once you die, and there, there's, there's, she has little uh, minions or creatures that she that not necessarily controls, but uh, that fall under her domain and her control and exist in the endless river. And they are essentially they guide um, souls to the endless river, right? And, mm-hmm. and that also creates uh, ghosts, ghouls, or not ghouls, but like uh, spirits. Yeah. Um, those, are the, those are the ones that the, these creatures could not find, um, that they could not uh, control, mm. or they would refuse to go back to the endless river, right? And so that's where you get the undead ghosts and these spirits and these uh, different wraiths and, and, and forms, right? Yeah. But the ones that do go back to the endless river, they, uh, they begin the process and essentially kind of like a stone that begins at the top of the mountain. You know what I mean? And they become, they, they are, they are rough. They're scarred. They're rough. You, you touch them. They might cut you because they're so sharp with edges. Mm-hmm. But by the time they end at the river, the very end of it, it's like a bay. I haven't, I haven't built the entire realms yet, but I know I want to call it something like the Bay of Souls. And in essence, in essence, that's going to be like a, a area where like freshly renewed souls or uh, ready to go back into the mortal yeah. realms or you know if you're born you might be implanted with one of these souls and i have a goddess of youth that's her job that's kind of what she does is she takes these souls from litrix and puts them into the, the bodies of um of these freshly born children and she's and it's kind of like an interactive thing that that, that they have a relationship built upon like trust and what one of my my goddess of of uh youth uh ulva um, she is a goddess of life, right? Mm. But Lytrix is a goddess of death. But the, the, one of my, my plays is it's a cycle, right? Is you yeah. can't have life without death. You can't have death without life. And it's it never ending. Um, and I've and they played balance off that. each other. Exactly. And while you, and, and in, in, in the regards of like, a lot of people might say in my, my world, they might go, well, death's bad. You know, all you're, you're a paladin of the God of war. Like you're, you're a terrible human being. And but that's not the case. It's just that they have a, a principle that is just part of what it is to be mortal. Your part, you have to live, you have to die and you get recycled. And I don't want to say it's, um, it's kind of off the, the belief of like reincarnation, but it kind of is in, in an essence, you're not re- reincarnated, you're being cleansed and refreshed. Yeah, no, that makes total sense though. There's, there is a di- bit of a difference and, you know, to kind of go back to that, like paladin of war, actually, in my world, you know, so I, I have this character named Balasar, um, or Sir Balasar. He's a dragonborn, and he um, was the character in many a game because he's just been that kind of quintessential character of mine. He's played um, in a world uh, run by my friend Sam. He's the host of uh, Behold the D&D podcast. But one of his big things, because he's a paladin Oath of Conquest, and for him... his saying is like, you know, all things die. It's a matter of how they die. 
And that kind of like, I, and I said that in kind of like a, a, just a impromptu, like role play scenario. And I thought that line itself kind of inspired me to say, okay, like death isn't really evil in my world. Death is just one of those things that happens. But if you try to get rid of death, then life is out of balance. So exactly. death is always there to balance things out. And I, and I think at least for me, you know, I really like that sense of balance, right? I like that sense of, okay, this is, you know, these are the gods, these are the angels. Because in my world, there are, you know, angelic beings, but they're not the same necessarily. Like, like angelic beings in my world are a little bit different from like the typical, because, you know, a lot of folks I've also noticed is that they look at the Asimar as angelic beings. And for me, that's not necessarily it. Like angelic beings in my world are completely different. Those are more of the messengers of the gods in my right. in my world. Where so yeah, sorry, no, 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 go for it. Uh, so like like you said, like I was just trying to piggyback off you before I forgot the thought. Um, like my Asimar, like so I have uh, uh, deities that are sin. So I kind of took a. I'm, I'm one of the big fans mm. of the Seven Deadly Sins, and, yep. and not even the TV show. I mean, I mean, just in general, um, I have always loved the, the thought of the deadly sins. And all my deities in my chain of sin are built upon that concept, right? But you can have a being, an Asimar, so quote unquote, or elder kin in my world, um, that was created by one of the deities of sin. That yeah. and that's one of my characters playing. Uh, Servana is my goddess of sin. She's one of the high deities, and literally, you know, her her thought is, and and their entire thought is, it's not about you know being evil. It's not about um, you know, doing what is uh, wrong. It's about doing what you want. It's about not, it's almost selfish or chaotic, chaotic, chaotic evil in, in some natures um, because being mortal is mean, it means freedom. It means being able to do what you want and having the freedom of not being. Uh, so like how I picture celestials is if you have a, a celestial of justice, they are so ingrained with justice that it's almost obnoxious. Right. It's like mm -hmm. if you jade walked across the street, most cops aren't going to pull you over and give you a ticket. Right. But mm -hmm. a God of justice or celestial justice would be like, you deserve to die because you broke the law, period. Right. And that's where we're like my ASMR uh, come into play. It's like they're mortal and they're um, divine. Right. Yeah. It's, it's not. Uh, and I wanted to read you this quote real quick. Um, one of my uh, one of my favorite quotes that I've come up with for my my uh, faith of the scythe, which is my religion that involves um, the the deities of sin or of death, and it says it it seems to me that you have if you or I must choose between two courses of thought or action, we mo should remember our dying and try so to live that our death brings no pleasure to the world. You know what I mean? And it's mm -hmm. and and to me that that really when I created that quote, it was like that dying is just part of it. It's, it yeah. shouldn't be done because you're trying to you know, live such a life that your, your life means something and that's like that embodies everything that what it means to be a paladin a cleric of death mm -hmm. it's about you stemming the tide and, and what your life comes to to the end of your death but that's just the next chapter you know what i mean yeah for sure and and that makes sense like and it's, it's, it's funny how we have two different, we have, you know, different approaches to this because 
in my world, like, you know, quote unquote evil is more of like, at least again, for me, it's what are you serving? That's the question. And it's not necessarily evil, but the question is always, because I'm not a fan of alignment. I don't know what you think about alignments, but I'm not necessarily a huge fan of alignment. And the reason being is because it can be limiting. Like I don't want my players to feel limited because they have to play a lawful, neutral, lawful, good, whatever, right? You know, we're talking about paladins. A paladin doesn't have to be lawful good, in my opinion. A paladin just has to keep their oath. They have to keep their oath and follow it, which again, let's go back to the oath of conquest uh, character that I had. According to him and his belief, again, perspective, right? He saw, he had a vision of Bahamut. Bahamut told him, hey, you are going to cleanse the world of all of Tiamat in my name. So kind of like a, you know, conqueror, so to speak. But if he does, you know, what happens if he does not conquer or fight the forces of Tiamat, right? Let's pose an ethical question. What's to, what's to say if there's a group of kobolds who aren't necessarily doing anything evil, quote unquote, but they worship Tiamat because that's what their ancestors did. And they're all in this little recluse little place, but they worship Tiamat according to his oath and what he was told. He needs to eliminate, convert them or eliminate them or something right? What happens, right? And and that's where I, I always like playing with those things. So for me, it's it's just funny how we come from two different really like, like, and, and again, the same thing. It's like, I now want to sit down in your world and be like, okay, give me a lore book and like some coffee and let me just read. <laughs> like, oh, no joke. You know what I'm saying? Oh. Like, and, and that's, and that's how I am about my own world. I'm like, not, not to toot my horn. I just, I love what I write. Right. Well, I mean, you should. And I think that's just completely fair um, to, to build off what you're saying. Um, you know, I, I've, I've got to travel the world quite a bit. I've been to almost every continent except for Antarctica um, and Africa. That's the only two continents I've never been to. So I've got the rare experience to experience uh, cultures. Right. And what I found amazing in every culture that I've experienced is that they're all different. And what I might consider to be weird or different or just like what? I don't get it. But when I sit back and look um, and I realized that they were born this way, they were raised this way, that that's just, that's this life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and, and the same goes when I talk about stuff that, and they look at me like, I'm like, I, I've just, you know, like, I don't know, just done something crazy. And they're like, well, why would you do that? And I'm like, well, that's just the way it is. Like, that's just, that's how I grew up, you know? And one of the, the rare opportunities that I had, I spent a lot of time um, with my interpreter in Iraq um, and we were walking everywhere and, and, and doing patrols and stuff like that. And I spent a lot of time with him. I, I grew up in the Bible Belt of Texas. Yeah. My uncle's a pastor. Um, and so I, I grew up in, in the scripture of the Bible, right? So I know it pretty well, uh, regardless of my beliefs and stuff like that. But, you know, I would talk to him and discuss with him. And obviously he was an avid believer of Islam and, and things like that, right? And it was just so fascinating to, to talk with this guy and just learn from him and then him learn from me. And just realize that so much of our backgrounds and so much of our, our stories that we grew up on were built along, at least in some concepts, in some aspects, along the same principles. And, and so like when I, my world built, even with like life and death, um, I, I, I kind of take that, that, that mentality of, of, of that process in, in, in my mind. And I'm like, yeah, there are two different religions, there are two different beliefs, there are two different uh, deity chains, but they're still involve each other, regardless of, of how you want to create them. Mm-hmm. It's like you, 
you can't have this. And, and it's all my deities have an opposite. So I have life and death, right? Then I have civilization and mystery, sure. right? So it's like the mystery, the mysterious parts of like the, the, the brain that you can't explain. It's yeah. like magic, um, um, knowledge, uh, time, karma, and these things that just don't really make sense to us in a practicality, but most people believe in them. And then I have civilization, which is more of like your, you know, your justice, your uh, government and mm-hmm. things that like the my primordial is the, is the being the deity that's off by itself because they are natural law. They are just, they are because they exist before these other beings ever could even fathom existing. Mm-hmm. And and it's super unique that I actually, I love like talking to you. And it's like, we, 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 we're coming from a lot of the, the same aspects and same concepts, but we're coming up with completely different theories and, and ideas and areas. And it's super awesome to see that. You know what I mean? Dude. I mean, it's, it's also based upon like our experiences and our perspectives on life and what we've been raised and how we've been raised. And it's like, you know, and it, and that's a, that's the beautiful thing about world building. And for the folks out there listening to us, like that's something that like take you always take into consideration because I also believe that a player can be a world builder. It's not exclusive to just being a dungeon master or a game master, right? Players can be uh, world builders just as much as the DM can. I mean, I know for myself, even though I love world building, I love sharing that with my players. And I know from my perspective, um, the way I like to do it is to kind of not challenge in a negative perspective. I like to uh, initiate players to, to, you know, um, get them to world build and create, you know, even if it's their backstory with their character and say, okay, where does your character come from? Where do you think, you know, what do you think the cultural nuances of your character, what would that look like? Things of that oh, nature. Man, how, yes. how do you like to pursue those types of things? So I don't, I don't know about you, but I have a brother. Um, yeah. I have a he, brother, older brother. He's not, he doesn't, he, he was an athlete period. Like, that's just the way he was. Uh, he grew up, uh, you know, partying, enjoying, and I was older brother, but, you know, and we, I mean, we played some Halo, we played some different games and stuff, but, you know, when I invited him to my online game, I never thought, I thought I was going to have to babysit him through the game. I thought that I was basically going to have to create his character for him, which I did do as far as like the mechanics and stuff, but the history, I asked all my players before we started the online stuff, I said, hey, give me, you know, a, a half page to at very least two paragraphs about your character and like this is going to help me bring you into the game the last person that i thought would give me two pages was my brother uh and he created this character that was just so in depth and immersive and i gave him guidelines as far as like kind of like um you know almost like uh bumpers in a sense the saying like hey this is you know you want to create this type of a wood elf this is how wood elves act in my world um and stuff like that well he ended up just building his character into my lore so much oh wow it changed how i thought of my wood elves or at least the 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 noble class of wood elves or the the individuals that um because he ended up playing a uh a psionic uh rogue uh one of the new ones from the cauldron uh what's the what's the name of the book um gosh darn it skipped my mind Uh, the the newer uh guidebook from uh, wizard of the coast and it, it was just insane to see my brother be so inspired um, from my world to create more than what I thought he would ever be able to. 
And like, I was just like, he was just like, is this too much? I'm like, no, dude, this is beautiful. Like, you don't even understand what this, what this gives me. Like this, this gives me, you bring yourself into my world and allow me to mold you into it. Because I think as DMs or world builders, even we don't want to create, we don't want to hold this to ourselves unless we're maybe like a, 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 a uh, writing novels maybe, but as DMs or, or game creators, we want to share this stuff. We want people to read this stuff and to either check us, balance us or whatever you want to call that. And for him to take that stuff that I had given him to make me like second guess myself and go, okay, well, let me go back and look at my lore. Let me go look, look at my stuff. And I was just like, I was just like, wow. And in essence, he didn't bold build, but he did. You know what I mean? And like, I would, say, never... I would honestly say that he did just not like he, 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 it wasn't for, it was more, it wasn't like a world building activity in the sense of like, oh, I'm going to actively, no, he was just creating. Yeah. But he, 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 he directly impacted my world and my world building instantly. Like, wow. Because of, of his one character creation that was playing in my world. You know what I mean? And like, that's where I'm like, players are so important in our world, in our backgrounds. Um, and it's, it's cool when you can create a whole entire novel and, and, and you can create thousands of characters in your head and have them interact. And I've created hundreds of characters, but I've created probably maybe 20 good characters that actually have such a background that I just, I love. And one, and one of the characters that I created was because of my players. Mm. Tarv Longale, which is now one of the narrators of my books. Um, and as essence, uh, he was very early established NPC and in the early games and probably was from about level four to level six involved with my characters. But for whatever reason, my, the p- people playing my campaign clung to that guy yeah. and, and attached to him. And, and he ran a tavern. And essentially, I didn't even realize at this time that what his tavern would end up being and is one of the main features of it. I think I've got um, about 10,000 to 20,000 words, uh, somewhere in between there, um, words on his tavern because of what my players did to to him and in in his tavern and interacted with him so much because, you know, it ended up being um, a tavern so magical and literally this tavern can transplant itself to areas at will um per per his his need or what he thinks that he can do the best work in and it just so happened that i had i had just stuck this this guy in this this world and this area that they were going to be in but because they interacted with him so much that this character flushed out so greatly mm-hmm. and even the people that that are in his tavern that work for him um one was a uh, uh, darby uh, she was a um an abused human girl and he's a dwarf, uh, Tarv Longel is. Uh, he's a shaman slash druid slash a wizard, kind of uh, all three uh, classes, kind of a mixed. Mm-hmm. And uh, he just loves uh, partying and having a good time. You know what I mean? That's basically his principle is yeah. to make sure that everyone can have the best time in their lives while they're in his tavern. And this girl showed up in his tavern and one of my characters absolutely you know, fell for her. Um, in essence, uh, ranger character, and you know he could tell that she was destinately dis- disheveled, uh, beaten, abused, and and while she held a happy face, the the scars of of her her past and stuff like that were completely ingrained in who she was. There's just that type of trauma you can't escape from, and you, it's going to be upon your upon your your uh, your body forever, regardless of what makeup you put on, what uh, spirit you put on, what mentality you put on. There's going to be parts of that characters or characters that you put in your world that your player characters are going to 
go, that's my background. Yes, I know that background. I know it. And I want, I, I can see it because I've lived that same exact background. And, and like I gave him advantage on the role and stuff to kind of like give insight checks and stuff like that yeah. because of, of his personal uh, background. And because that's why he became a ranger. So he basically ran away from home after being beaten by his, uh, his stepfather and stuff like that. Right. Oh, damn. And that was his that was his character background um, that he wrote. And he basically ran to the wilds to escape, you know, you know, living that lifestyle for the rest of you know his youth. Ended up finding a, a, a guardian or a, a person that taught him the, the way of the wilds. And, um, essentially when he, he encountered this character, he was like, I, I kind of gave the, you know, the beef description, you know, she, she, she's, she's put together. She's well assembled. You know, we, obviously she, at this point in time, she had healed, uh, from her, you know, any type of injury or stuff like that. But, you know, I said, you know, there's, there's parts of her that seem wary to interact with you. And he was like, well, what do you mean? And I was like, well, I said, she just seems like she doesn't want to get close to anyone. And he was like, well, can I roll insight? I said, well, per your background mm-hmm. I said, yes. And he was kind of, kind of gave me that, like, that look of like, what do you mean per my background? And of course I had read his background, my, my other players hadn't. And they gave me that same look of like, wait, what? Cause I don't share my, my players' backgrounds unless they want to share it. Um, because that's my personal, as a DM, I don't share backgrounds unless the players yeah. want it to be shared. And, and I was like, you know what I mean? Like just roll insight with advantage because of your background. And once he rolled it, I said, you definitely can tell that, you know, that she comes from a past or a history uh, similar to your own, maybe not exactly similar, but similar to, you know, and, and that's another thing is like, we create characters, you know, based upon our own, our own backgrounds, our own histories, our own transgressions, either that, or we create characters that we always want to be, you know what I mean? And yeah. even in my characters that I create for my world, you know, or that way, I have several characters. Um, I have one character that I never thought I'd be able to create. Uh, my dad uh, lost his life in August, uh, 2020, um, oh. in a motorcycle accident. And um, oh, sorry, he, he got to, I know where he's brother. Uh, he got to, and you know, I never thought I would do this. I uh, just never came across to me because my dad's not a gamer. And he's just, I mean, he loved what I did. Like he was always supportive, but he was just, it's just not what he did. Um, yeah. you know, I mean, he was a, a guy of hard knocks, you know, I mean, he learned everything by his hands, stuff like that. Sure. And I got to create the character for him and he's the narrator for my last, last two books. Damn. And, you know, and of course you don't know my father, but he was a uh, rugged, tough, but always loved his motorcycles, man. Like grew up that way. Yeah. And, and I basically just transplanted that into a very, a, a character type that was a traveler, a roamer, a vagabond, you know? And um, gave him some magic stuff, some magic items, and um, it was. And I'm so blessed that I have some so many people that wanted to like. They were messaging me personally. And they were like, "Hey, do you have any type of background story on this character?" And I was like, "Yeah, I do." And it took me a while to write it, but I finally got to write it. And because it's so hard to establish someone you know that has such a a complete control of your life and try to put them in a page you know what i mean that's yeah. so hard to do but i did it for them and they allowed me to they actually helped me cope and and grieve and by mourn, doing yeah. this yeah exactly it was a, it was a it, healing process man exactly and that's so great about our community you know what i mean that we, we get we're so blessed with and, and speaking about that man like because I, I really want to like, you know, I, I really think that part of the beauty of our community is how we help each other out and how we like are there for one another at the end of the day. And to hear that is just amazing, dude. Like I, I'm like, I'm, it almost makes me because and again, this is just my personal belief, but those memories that we have, especially when we write them into our world, they're going to live on forever. 
in the in not only in your game but in the worlds of other people in the games of other people they're gonna that memory is gonna live on so it's like that person is still there like you've paid such a hom you know such honor it's and that's what the beauty of it is man like we we also kind of like take that and we don't we we don't ruin the the memory we we keep it there kind of sacred you know so like that's one of the beautiful things about this community man and i'm just so like it's so heartwarming to hear that story um and yeah like like that's just beautiful man yeah it's it's not something i ever thought that i would um ever write you know what i mean it's mm-hmm. It really isn't. It's um, I'm sure there's 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 stories of like so many people doing the same exact thing. You know what I mean? And I was just blessed enough to have a, a platform and an established you know people that wanted to you know for sure um, that as a content creator and stuff like that that they wanted to to have this and and I, and in time I was writing a book called The Sentient Selection, which is one of your more like kind of you know uh, common uh, magic item books. Okay. And I got to create an item for him that was called the writer's ring in essence. And I, I know it's kind of more steampunky and stuff. It's more steampunky than I normally get for my world, but it became such an item for me. And it actually ended up creating much more of a steampunk environment for my world because of this. And essentially what it is, it's a magic item that gives you a, a motorcycle uh, or lets you ride a motorcycle oh, for nice. a certain amount of time. Um, very, very similar to like the, the horn of the unicorn or something like that. Right. So where you can summon a, a, a mount for a limited amount of time. And, and essentially, I had an artist, uh, Paul, uh, fantastic guy. I've been working with him for two years now, and he did the art for it. And like, I was just, I was just floored, you know what I mean, with the art. Because nice. I sent him, you know, I sent him everything from the pictures of my dad, my dad's wreck on the bike and, and, and the destroyed bike. And so like when it was brand new and everything, pictures my dad, my dad had sent me and said, hey, I got my, my bike that I wanted, you know, five, six, seven, eight years ago, I guess. Yeah. You know, it's been forever. And, you know, and just, and like, he took that art and just made it into this beautiful fantasy piece. Mm-hmm. And I have to send it to you uh, here, here uh, after this probably. And it's just, I mean, this community, it's, 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 it's why I keep creating, I think, you know what I mean? Cause if I, I mean, yeah. if I wrote something and ran a book and they did good on Kickstarter. Sure. That's great, man. That's fine. But what keeps me going is these backers that I see come back for my content and yeah. these people that want my content or, the, I mean, even if I get negative or, uh, any type of responses within reason. It's just about people that I'm getting to influence and I get to help build the world. You know what I mean? And that's what it's all about for me. I totally know what you mean, dude, because like for me, like I have a couple of things down the line that I am going to be socializing soon with the community where it is taking the concepts that I've been doing for three years or so, however long I've been running the bearded nerd, um, and taking that and taking all the world building advice and tips and tricks and everything from, you know, how to run a steampunk world to magic items I've created and offering it and giving it away for folks to, um, to utilize and to pick up and use and drag and drop in their world. So I, dude, I totally get what you're coming at, but I do want to hit on something though. Because you mentioned, dude, you mentioned so many cool things. Like you mentioned some of these books that you're working on and some of those things. First off, my first question is how, how many things are available for the public to purchase, AKA where can I go buy some stuff so that I can binge read all your stuff? <laughs> so I think we have, and I don't, I won't plug the, the, the card decks or anything like that because they kind of interact with the books in some aspects, but okay. 
in essence, um, right currently right now, there are 10 books ready, um, uh, say nine, sorry, because uh, Nairi's uh, Marvelous Menagerie of the Multiverse, which is my animal book, which has um, everything from mammals to fish to um, mollusks. Um, cool. that's almost done. It's just finishing up. It's just, I'm waiting because my backers wanted better stat blocks. I had created very simple stat blocks. And my thought was I didn't want to create stat blocks because I didn't want to create something that was strictly this platform. Yeah. You didn't want to impose something on. Yeah. I get you. But my backers were like, Hey, we want something better. So I said, okay, fine. So I went back, reworked them all. And that one's basically done. It's just, I'm waiting for my editor and layout to finish the last, um, Changes nice. of that, and that one's done. And the mineralogy manual is almost done. That's the one I was talking about. The five hundred and sixty. Actually, I have it right here. My 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 layout guy just it's five hundred and seventy six pages currently. Oof. Uh, it's just, and I'll send that to you here in just a second, um, and let you play with it and see what you think. Yeah, no problem, no problem. But for the, and, for the folks listening, I'm sorry that you can't uh, see my face or my interaction right now. Cause I'm kind of like smiling from ear to ear. <laughs> I love these. Oh yeah. Things, man. And, uh, but basically you can go on the website, uh, deep dungeon Um, or, or my Facebook, which is the same Instagram is the same. Twitter's the same. I think Twitter is the only thing that's kind of weird. Um, because it just has a GMZ, mm-hmm. um, at the end instead of like games. Um, and I think I have a link tree on most of my social medias. So okay. Able cool. to just click one, to, to go to it all and it'll have a link to the kickstarters and stuff and anyone who wants to support that's awesome that's great man uh but honestly if you just come support for a dollar and just come be part of the community that's that means more to me than anything else um because eventually i want to release most of this stuff for free or relatively free um obviously i gotta pay the bills but yeah, if i didn't sure. have to pay bills I wouldn't give it, I wouldn't care. I don't want to create this stuff to, to make a million dollars. I want to create it to help people out. I, I mean, it sounds like I could, I could eat and sleep. I'm happy, man. You Dude, know? I, I totally understand and respect that. So folks make sure, and, and, and this is the thing, man, I'm going to make sure to post this link as I always do uh, in the description so that folks can like to get to you. But I know we're kind of uh, running out of time here. So I do want to ask you know, one or two more questions, if that's all right with you. Um, what is the most challenging part of world building? What is the most like, and what I mean by challenging, I mean, you know, it could be anything, but like, what is the most, what is the most frustrating, challenging thing that you encounter when you're world building? Sorry, I was muted. Uh, interweaving 100%. Okay. Um, I think it's, it's not the impossible, but it is the most difficult thing because I'm creating so much that sometimes I forget about this concept or this area and I'm getting better at it because I'm getting better platforms like AKA world anvil, as we talked before and not to plug those guys, but I personally love that platform because it lets me, I can look, yeah, literally search awesome. one word and I can look up every type of article that I have in my, that I've written mm-hmm. that says that word. And I love that because I, then I can pull those articles and say, okay, well this I'm building this area or this concept and I can use that. I'm like, okay, cool. Awesome you know, and, but that's definitely the most difficult part is making sure, I mean, families are one thing, but just interweaving the world together to make all the puzzle bits fit. You know what I mean? And that's the glory of like a good world builder, right? So like Tolkien, that's why we love Tolkien. That's why we love uh, uh, Brian Jakes. That's why we love uh, Martin. It's because they seem to make this world that just, just somehow just flushes together and you can find loopholes. Sure. But 
you just like, you're so immersed. You're just like, wow, it's so beautiful and together and amazing. And that's what we all want to build. Right. Absolutely. And, and that's where like, and I think you hit the nail on the head is almost having that space in your head to say, okay, well, how's this connected? What's that connected? I think, you know, Martin did a really great job at that with his, with song of ice and fire where, you know, Oh, house Stark is connected to house. So on and so forth, you know, blah, 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 and all these different things and did a really great job at that. And something like world and world anvil. And again, you know, not to shamelessly plug them, but I really do like their software and their system really, um, where you can do that. And it's really easy to do that. Um, so oh, no, you I can totally share it too, with any community, even as a player or as a DM, like it's, I mean, they have free uh, platforms as well. So it's, it's not like you have to pay if you don't want to. Yeah, no, that's, you're absolutely right. Like, and, and I, I would encourage anyone to get onto world anvil, um, because they really are a great system and, and a great tool. Um, but my last question to you would be this, and I always want, I want to make sure that the folks in the audience gain as much value as possible. What would you recommend as someone who's been world building for years now? What would you recommend to that person in the audience right now that's listening and saying, I've never done this. I don't know where to start. What would you tell them? Oh, that's a question, isn't it? Oh man, the start. Oh man. So I want to say, start with your Pantheon. I want to say that 100% because they are going to be so ingrained and everything that you build from then on, even, even left or right. Right. So even if you go to like your multiverse, you can build from there. Or if you go down to like the, the, to your actual physical world, your spinning globe of, you know, your blue and uh, green marble spinning out in the middle of a cosmos. Mm-hmm. I want to say your Pantheon is your quintessential. Like it is your no joke. You need something, even if it's just one or two gods or deities or whatever it is that are behind the basic concept of your world, that or start on the actual physical parts of your world. So like mm. your, your rocks, your plants, your animals, your flora, I want to say start from your physical world. So everything that makes it up, your elements and stuff like that, and then go to your flora and then go to your fauna as, 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 a, as any type of a cycle would go with, uh, start from the beginning. Um, but if I want to say, I want to say Pantheon 100% because they're going to be involved in every legend, every race, every ethnicity, yep. every background, every belief. Um, that is your world dude that's that's awesome that's amazing right there (laughs) that and 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 that's i think a perfect way to end this episode folks i i really want y'all to show some love and appreciation um i will post that i'll be having the link to uh deep dungeon games and where you can follow them and where you can um help them essentially by basically just providing more support. And really the, that's the beautiful thing about this community. So folks, be sure to follow Deep Dungeon Games on all social media platforms that you are on. Be sure to follow The Bearded Nerd on all social media platforms. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Leave a five-star uh, review. Those reviews actually do a lot of great things and actually let us know in the community what y'all um, like about the podcast and what y'all love about Dungeons and Dragons and tabletop in general. But most importantly, y'all, 
remember to be kind and compassionate to one another during these crazy times. It's, it's always needed and it's always appreciated. But for now, folks, we will see you next time. Again, thank you so much, uh, Deep Dungeon Games, for hanging out with us and talking nerdy stuff with us, especially world building. But as always, folks, keep gaming. Thank you.